We have our own narrative of our life, um, the way that we perceive ourselves. If we do some of this digging, then maybe that perception changes. Maybe we give ourselves grace, you know, for the things in our life that have happened to us, the choices that we've made. And then we start to reframe what that what that story looks like to us or what it what it means to us. Welcome to Holistic and Holy, where we share conversations between sessions and sermons. I'm one of your hosts, Chad McSwain, and I'm a United Methodist pastor. And I'm your other host, Natalie Craver, licensed professional counselor in Texas. Holistic and Holy is a podcast all about mental health and spirituality, and our hope is is that it will give you the tools and practices that can help you live holistic and holy lives as we share this journey that we're all on. So let's jump in. Okay, yeah, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie. My favorite movie, I would have to say, like, Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind? Yeah, I think Gone with the Wind is one of my most favorite movies. Um, a close second would be Coal Miner's Daughter. So I'm wow. really showing my age here. Really showing Yeah, my what age. year did those movies come out? Oh, I don't know. Long time ago. Long time ago. Here's what I know about favorite movies. Okay is that we watch the same movies over and over and over when we have anxiety. So I tend to have like these very, like five to six movies that no matter what, if they're on TV, I'm going to watch them. So you're flipping through channels, it's on, you're like, oh yeah, I got to watch that. Oh, absolutely. Or do you go and seek it out? No, I'm just, you know, I'm looking at Hulu, whatever is, you know, suggested for me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they know I love Cole Miner's Daughter. Um, So I'll watch it. You know, Billy's always like, oh, my gosh, didn't we just watch this last week? Yes, we did. But we're going to enjoy it just as much today. But now you're going to sit down and watch this with me. Absolutely. What's your favorite movie? Well, I I don't know if I have a favorite movie, but now you're making me rethink this because we did this whole, like, Marvel marathon during COVID kind of thing. Um, But this past weekend, we were doing, watching through the Indiana Jones movies. And so I got to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and I feel like I watched that uh, I was trying to count on my fingers like one billion times uh, growing up. And I found that, uh, but it's so delightful because there's, you know, Sean Connery is, you know, the, the dad. It was like, reminds me of my grandparents kind of thing. And, uh, and he has this great line towards the end when he pops out of the tank and, and he goes, this isn't archaeology. And I was just like, aha, this is so amazing. And uh, so I, I loved it. It was, it was so good. And, um, because when I think about favorite movies, I, I haven't thought about them in terms of as to why. But I, I think with that one, it's definitely the nostalgia of, mm-hmm. oh, I was a kid and I watched this. I remember this part. I don't remember that when I was a kid. Uh, th- there's a point in the character when when the uh, the Nazi general guy goes and gets the grail and he gets the gold cup. And uh, Elsa hands him one and then she has this look. And so Brandy and I were going, I think she knew that that was not the grail. And she gave it to him so that he would drink it and die. And I said, you know, I never picked up on that when I was a kid. I just thought she just didn't know which one it was, right? Yeah. So that was that was kind of neat because I'm like watching it again. I hadn't watched it in years. Yeah. And uh, but I found that you know I just remember each little beat, and then that all the great quotes that we say around our house. Uh, we say like tickets, please, when we're we're getting on, you know, getting in the car or something, you know, going on an airplane, you know, tickets, please, and then. Uh, uh, just, you know, just great, great quotes. There are so many great quotes. So um, uh, I think that that would definitely be a category of a favorite. But but a lot of those that you we've watched over and over and over and over again. Like The Goonies. The Goonies is a good one, too. The Goonies, right? Never-ending story. 
Yeah. It's really interesting to see like the generation now. Do you remember the never ending story? No, I never watched that one because it was never ending. Oh, I wasn't interested. <laughs> it's so good. You have to watch that. That what never ending story, the dark crystal Goonies. These are like some of the, the shows that I saw when I was a kid that now, you know, I have clients who are watching these same movies that, you know, that we watched then. So, oh yeah, the circle back around. Well, for me, it's like Back to the Future uh, would be some Ghostbusters. All these, we, we, we've tried to make our kids watch them. And occasionally, they like them, but rarely. You know, they're they're bailing, and we're like, this is my favorite movie. So they definitely bailed on all the Indiana Jones, but we were we were plowing through. So we have uh, Crystal Skull. Got to watch that one. I've only seen it once. Crystal Skull? Yeah, Indiana Jones and Crystal Skull. So it's uh, it's pretty regarded. It's hated. Because there's the, you either love it or you hate it. There's the refrigerator scene where he's in a nuclear blast and he gets in a refrigerator and it flies through the air, you know, hundreds of feet and then he's fine. Kind of ridiculous. And I've read that uh, that took the place of jumping the shark is uh, getting in the refrigerator. That's kind of the new phrase people talk about. So, but with the new Indiana Jones movie, then we were go check it out. And uh, when I was younger, I loved, like I picked as my favorite movie, Shawshank Redemption. How old were you? Uh, 13, 14. Really? And, uh, and I was thinking, why would I pick a movie like that? And I think it had to do with the friendships. I think that's what I was picking up on was uh, the the character, you know, and, you know, Morgan Freeman. I'm like, oh, I need a friend like Morgan Freeman. They can get things. <laughs> and uh, but I, maybe that's what I really liked. But maybe I like the redemption story-ish kind of idea. Um. So I'm not not really sure, but that was one that very early on, if I got that question, like, what's my favorite movie? I'd say, you know, Shawshank Redemption. Even though Brooks dies? It's sad. There's sadness in life. See, that that for me, like, when you say Shawshank Redemption, that's the part I see in my mind's eye. And I'm like, nope, not for me. That movie is not for me. (laughs) Yeah, so many many good choices, though, huh? There's so many. Schindler's List. Schindler's List? Oh, boy. That's a tough one. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. That'd be a tough movie. So are you a movie or TV shows? Um, I like binging TV shows, obviously. I mean, the big thing this week has been Ted Lasso. I haven't got to watch the finale, so if you have, I don't... I haven't started season three yet. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, so no spoilers. Right? Okay, no spoilers. Um, Yeah, my I think my most favorite TV show that I've watched recently is Julia, and it's the story of Julia Child. And it's on Amazon Prime, I'm sure. Is that... Are we advertising for Amazon Prime? But um, they could be a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I love to binge watch shows. I really like to choose. I like watching shows with Billy. I like watching shows with my kids, but I really love to pick a show that's just mine, where when I'm home by myself, I can really invest in something that kind of just belongs to me, you know, and that's usually something nobody else wants to watch. Ooh, do you have a show right. that no one else wants to watch that you're watching? Well, I watched Firefly Lane. That was one. Um, I watched The L Word. Do you know what The L Word is? I don't know that I do. Mm-hmm. So it's um, about, it's a community of, of lesbian women. And so there's several seasons. And I just, I, I love that show, which, you know, that show's not for everybody. Um, you know, love stories, rom-coms, things like that. I'm not really big into, um, like, Housewives. Not into those reality shows. Not your thing. Absolutely not. Those just, I, I get cringy. My oldest daughter loves the housewife shows and 
just the drama sends me over the edge. I can't do it. Oh boy. Like Dance Moms is on repeat in my house. Oh. And then I'm like, oh man. Does Abby watch it? Or does Brandy watch it with Abby? Yeah, everybody. Everyone watches it in my house. So yeah, that one's that one's tough. I can't I can't do that one. But it's just the drama. They love the drama. They love it. yeah, they they love it. So uh no that that's pretty funny. So I need to finish uh Succession as one that they were watching. And then uh, so shows that I watch by myself. So these are, you know, Friday, my day off. I'm going to watch. Uh, I just finished Picard because I'm a Trekkie. And then I I didn't really watch Strange New Worlds, but all the nerds in my life were like, they were besides themselves that I haven't watched it. So so I started to pick that one up and it, it's pretty good too. So I, I try to watch all my nerdy shows that no one else wants to watch. I'll watch those by myself. Yeah, those are good ones. It drives me at the wall when... um. I have a show that's mine and then Billy actually watches an episode with me and realizes he's like, oh, well, who's this and who's that? And of course I'm like, oh, my gosh, just watch it. But then the next time he'll be like, hey, are we going to watch our show? Like, when did it become our show? That I'm not sure. <laughs> that's a funny. I do that to Brandy all the time. Yeah. Uh, we famously did that with Lost. Uh, she was watching Lost. And so this was before streaming, right? And so you, you had to watch it when it came on. So I'm not really sure. I probably didn't catch up. I just drove her nuts when I was like, I was like, hey, what happened? What happened? Because uh, she was a couple episodes in. And I was like, hey, I seen Castaway, Tom Hanks. I don't need to watch Lost. This is, and she's like, it's not the same thing. And then uh, I kind of stood in the back behind the couch and watched an episode one night. And I was like, whoa, that was really good. And then, yeah. So I drive her nuts. I, I do this to her all the time. Except for Dance Moms didn't take. And she always wants me to watch uh, Schitt's Creek. And I just can't do it. It's just something about comedies, like like a sitcom comedy. I, those don't grab me. I, I love them. And when I sit down and watch them, so even if it's The Office, those kind of things, like I'll sit down and watch it and I'll love it, but I just don't think about watching another episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was strange. I, I've definitely had moments in my life where everyone was watching The Office or Parks and Rec, and I was like, I'm, I'm out. I'm out of this loop. But but that's what I love is about movies and TV shows is is people love to talk about them. So whatever you're watching or those kind of things, I had somebody recommended a show today that I hadn't heard of, and I was like, wow, I'm going to go check it out. Yeah. So that's well, a lot of fun. I was thinking about this yesterday. Um, my mom and I started talking about a show that she was watching, and it kind of struck me that when I'm really tired and stressed and she may need to talk about things that are less than surface topics, and she can check in with my energy a safe place for us to go is to talk about TVs, to talk about music, to talk about TV shows, to talk about movies. And I find that with my family when there's stress, not my family, not my immediate family now, but my family of origin, is that we will. We'll talk about, you know, movies from where we're growing up, movies that we've seen. Oh, hey, have you um, have you been watching this series? And oh, my gosh, you should do that. And it gets us out of our emotional selves and our reactive selves because then we can just talk about movies that really, or TV shows that have nothing to do with personal, personal dramas that we might have going on. That's so interesting. So I'll use it in social situations. If I'm not really sure what to talk about, or, uh, you know, I'm just really not sure how to start a conversation. I'll say, hey, what TV shows are you watching? And then people really will open up. Sometimes you have to make those connections a little bit. Like I never, I didn't really ask you about why you liked Never Ending Story. <laughs> 
but it's a nostalgia. You said it. I mean, that's that's true. I love the nostalgia of it. Um, yeah, that's it takes me back to being a kid and sitting on the couch, you know, staying up late with popcorn and you know that kind of thing. That's awesome. It's nostalgia. Yeah. Well, so today we're talking about story, in particular, origin story. So the stories of where we we come from, and really where we're going, and is how we do- uncomfortable. Oh, absolutely! All these topics make me uncomfortable. <laughs> no, it'll be a lot of fun because what I'm really fascinated with, and this is a, something I pay attention to when I talk with people, particularly you know if they come and make an appointment with me and come to the church and and want to visit, and um, I want to know, you know, tell me about yourself. It's kind of that question, right? Or uh, and I think about if somebody were to come in for a first session, uh, what is it that you ask somebody? In fact, I want to ask you, when somebody comes in for a first session, what is it that you ask them? What's kind of the first question to get them talking? Usually, you know, what? so what brings you in? What's going on? You know, tell me a little bit about what's going on. And they, of course, usually rehearse because they're nervous. Or I'll say, how are you feeling about this? You know, how are you feeling sitting on the couch right now? And you can see them wringing their hands and they're kind of sitting on the edge of their seat. And and I just validate that. You know, of course, this is the hardest part is walking in the door and sitting down. And and then you watch them kind of loosen up and their, you know, their shoulders aren't up by their earlobes anymore. And, um, and they start to tell their story. And when someone is telling their story and you just listen and make eye contact, it's it's as if they know that it's a safe place to tell the story and they don't really have to rehearse. When I do uh, premarital sessions, I always begin with that question of, uh, how did you meet? And then they, they can tell me whatever circumstance, because it's always a story. You know, something happened, someone set them up. Maybe they, you know, I had one where it's like, we worked together for years, but never even considered dating. And you know, those kind of things, just kind of dig into that story. And And what I find is they love talking about it. But it gives me a glimpse of their relationship and how they interact. And and then that gives me things that I can jump off on to get to know them a little bit as we get into things like, hey, uh, conflict, communication, how they manage money. All this other stuff gets framed by the story in which they really understand their relationship together, their relationship origin story kind of idea. So I'm always kind of interested in in church world, uh, particularly what, uh, growing up in the church, then they, they always talk to us about sharing our testimony which was, how did we come to faith? What was the beginning of our faith journey? What is it that brought us to church? What significant moments happened in our faith kind of idea? And it's something that, that I'm considering to do with our congregation because it's not just about, oh, I'm a pastor. I have a testimony or I have a story. But it's, we all have a story. And, and learning how to tell our own stories really do reveal how we think about that story and and where we, we think we're going in the future based on that story. I had my first counseling session this week. Oh, I've been curious about that. Yeah, so it was this week. it, right? And uh, yeah, so I did the whole uh, rehearsing. And, and, uh, and I found I was very nervous. Like, what am I going to talk about? In fact, I even told a few people, I really don't have anything to talk about. I'm not, I don't know what I'm going to say. And it really, it, it was just like going to church for the very first time is what I likened it to. I drove in, I had the Google Maps thing, but then once I pulled into the parking lot, I wasn't sure which building to go into. And so, and then I'm checking my phone to see if I was in the right spot and I'm getting really anxious. And uh, so I, I go into the place. I'm like, oh yeah, that looks like the right one. And I go in and when she comes out, she said, did you have any trouble finding the place? And I said, well, you know, a little bit actually. And she goes, oh, a lot of people do. And 
I thought, yeah. So maybe there's a signage problem. Maybe I should have been prepared. There's all these thoughts. But it was so interesting is uh, her first question to me was, uh, why did you seek counseling now? And I talked for 30 minutes. <laughs> That's all we needed. I got going and uh, I just I just started saying everything. And I told my wife that when she came back and she was like, oh, you know, tell me how, how it went. And I said, she asked me one question. I talked for 30 minutes and she said, I'm not surprised. Here I was, I thought uh, it might, you know, I needed to prepare and, uh, you know, what I wanted to talk about. And apparently I, I'll just talk. So is that a common experience? I think so. I think you were ready. You know, why now? Why are you coming in now? Because I'm ready. You know, I'm ready to get this off my chest. I'm ready to tell my story. I'm ready, you know, to sit with a professional. I'm ready to see what therapy is all about. And all she had to do was ask one question. And there you went. You were prepped and ready. It's not surprising that you talked for 30 minutes. I mean, I know you, but I also, you know, see it happen a lot with clients. I try to ask a lot of questions just so that when they leave, they're like, I did all the talking. She didn't even say anything. You know, I feel like I need to put little nuggets in there, here and there, so they feel like they're heard, not just that I'm listening. I went with Billy to a, a therapy session with his therapist a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we left, and he was like, so what did you think? I said, well, I mean, her job's pretty easy because you talked the whole time. <laughs> he was like, oh, my gosh, is that bad? And I said, no, it's not bad. If that's what you need is to use the hour to talk and you know, she only gets four or five little nuggets in, you know, I mean, that's, I think that's good. I think it's good that you can talk. I think one of the, one of the skills that a therapist has is we might have a question and then you move on to another topic before we can ask the question. But instead of saying, whoa, 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 stop back up. I want to ask you this question. We just throw that question over to the side and if it's valid later on in the session, then we can kind of circle back and say, hey, I want to ask you about this. And that way we're not interrupting you, but we are letting you know, hey, I'm listening to you. I heard what you said, and I'm curious about this. And that even deepens your curiosity because now you think I find it important. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, when I was thinking about it, I, I left that session and I thought, okay, I'm going to go back for another session. And because this was the first one, so I was really kind of curious and I was even maybe thinking, hey, I, I'm not sure if I'll connect with her, and but I'll still go to the session and have my first session and, and then I'll decide if I need to keep looking and those kind of things, knowing that that might be a bit of a process. And then, but when I left the session, I, I said, oh, she was wonderful because I think she asked me three questions the entire time and then I talked for the entire hour. And uh, so I'm like, I'm, I guess she's she was good because I talked and she listened. But she did do this. Uh, there was a point where I, I maybe paused long enough that she then reflected back what I've been saying and, and said, here's what I hear that you're saying. And, and so, and I thought that was very good. So I was really impressed with all that, that that was really nice. And then she gave me homework at the end. So part of it, part of my homework is to, really look back on my story. She she wanted me to think about the first 10 years of my life. And I said, can I do the first 20? And she said, sure. And uh, she even said, uh, you can you can do the homework uh, or you don't have to. But she says, you're going to get more out of this if you do the homework. And I appreciate that because I love that. Because really it's the same. Uh, I even think about this in terms when I give a sermon that I give a lot of application. And, and really what I'm focused on is transformation and life change. 
and you can come into church and you can hear a sermon and you can feel better. And hopefully you're encouraged. Maybe you learned something. And I hope all of those things happen. But really, I really hope that you go and apply it because that's really where change happens, that you take those first little steps of, hey, I'm going to try this out. Hey, I want to think about this idea. Hey, I'm going to talk to somebody that maybe I'm uncomfortable talking with, but I'm going to give it a chance. And so I like this idea that she gave me homework, but she she said, it's up to you to do it, but you're going to get more out of this if you do it. So I like that. I get a choice. That's also something um, when you come into therapy, it's your hour. You get to talk about what you want to talk about. You get to ask questions or make statements or, you know, whatever that hour looks like. But you also have choices. And sometimes that may be the only place in your life that you get to make a choice. Um, Like working in the prison system, I had some colleagues who would go in and teach yoga classes to these these people in the prison system. And they had the choice to do the postures. They had to, the choice to participate. And that was one of the most compelling things that these these you know professionals learned is that that they brought in the this idea of choosing you may be stuck behind bars or in this situation where you feel trapped but we're giving you a choice and every time they'd come in they'd come in and sit on their mat because they had a choice they'd participate or they wouldn't so having a choice again this may be the only place that you get to have that choice wow that's interesting so let me ask you a question. Do you think people understand their own stories? I think they have the perception of their own story. I think there's maybe a narrative. We have our own narrative of our life, um, the way that we perceive ourselves. If we do some of this digging, then maybe that perception changes. Maybe we give ourselves grace, you know, for the things in our life that have happened to us, the choices that we've made. And then we start to reframe what that what that story looks like to us or what it what it means to us. So when someone comes in and they begin to talk about their story, are there certain things that you are listening for or looking for in terms of how they tell their own story? I I listen for things they graze over. You know, like if someone says, um, you know, I lost a parent very young, you know, but then this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. I'm like, whoa, we completely shifted gears out of that without spending a lot of time on the fact that they lost a parent very young. And so that may be something that they've worked on for a really long time and they don't want to bring it up. Um, or it may be something they're not comfortable with yet. So my my job is to make sure that I don't move too quickly, too soon, but I, I keep that little morsel for myself that right now, that's not what they want to talk about. And I don't want to pierce that. I, I call it, I'm going to poke at you a little bit. I'm going to pierce you a little bit here. And in those first couple of sessions, it's the timing isn't there yet. But I do hang on to that. And I try to remember that so that I can go back and say, now tell me again about, you know, when you lost your dad. You know, is, is that a story um, that you see as a movie? Is that a story that you tell? And I can usually tell by their body language, behavior, um, how they how that story affects them. This is something I've, I've been thinking about and trying to listen for when I hear other people's stories and, and how I approach things. So, so there's a book that's the three big questions that teenager, every teenager asks. And it really talks about that 
for teenagers that these are the three questions that they're asking themselves or looking for people to answer those kind of things. But as I was reading it, I thought, I think everybody's asking these questions. So there are three basic questions, and this is what I want to get your perspective on to see if you've seen these, but questions of who I am, identity, uh, where do I fit, belonging, and can I make a difference, purpose. Mm -hmm. Can we really filter these down to three questions? And if so, are these the ones? I don't know that they're the ones. I think ultimately they are. I mean, isn't, isn't you know, where I belong versus how do I fit in? You know, I hear a lot square peg, round hole, right? I feel like a square peg in a round hole. Okay, well, that's you trying to fit into something. That's someone maybe preventing you from fitting in. So where do I belong in life? Where, not where do I fit, but where do I show up where I feel like I'm meant to be? You know, like when you walk into our church, you walk in and hopefully you have a feeling of belonging. And that's something that, you know, it's an experience that you usually have in your body. Um, who am I meant to be? Is that one of the questions is who am I meant to be? Yeah. Absolutely. Or what is my purpose? Mm -hmm. I feel like we rush people. We rush teenagers into who am I supposed to be and what is my purpose? I think there was some kind of research that showed, you know, when you graduate with an agenda, the high school with an agenda of who you're going to be when you grow up, I think it changes like eight times before you actually Absolutely. become who you are. And then it's a version of what you were going to be initially. You know, I wanted to be a forensic scientist or, you know, forensic psychologist. I didn't want to help people. I just wanted to know what made them click, what made them make decisions. And now, you know, look where I am. Um so I think we have to, maybe the most important thing is that your purpose is always evolving. So kind of like you shared in your story in terms of forensic psychology, mm -hmm. that maybe a shift over to, to being a counselor, therapist, those kind of things, but still kind of in the same ballpark, right? So it could look at different ways in different phases of our lives, but, but is there, and this is really the question, right, is... That when we ask, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And a lot of times I still say, nobody, nobody's asking me this anymore, but I'm still asking myself, what do I want to be when I grow up? Yeah. But I know it's really, it's not going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to become a forensic psychologist, right? But because it's going to be within this ballpark of things that I've discovered and chosen and maybe have chosen me in terms of what I do and how that gets expressed. Well, I think like when I think about you, right, I'm going to, I'm going to turn the mirror back onto you for a second. When I think about the parts of your story that you've shared, um, and I guess it's okay if I share this because you've shared it in your sermons. Sure. Hey. Yeah. When you felt a little bit lost and you weren't, you know, you sought out church. That's one of the only, I mean, that's a place where you felt very safe and you enjoyed it. I feel like that was your calling. You were being called into that church. You were being called into having that experience. At the moment, you may not have known you were going to be a pastor. But that experience for you, that that led you to where you are today. And I, I when you were telling that story, I see everything in movies. You've mentioned that before. You know, all of my clients, you know, I, I see the movies um, of of the stories. And when you tell your story, I imagine you, this young teenage boy, walking into a sanctuary by himself and sitting in a church and being quite lonely. And that that place accepted you. And you felt something. And I see you do that every Sunday. I see you do it in other times, too, where you welcome people who maybe feel a little bit marginalized, who feel unseen. 
in that moment when you walked into the church, I don't think you knew that you were going to do that on a weekly basis. But here you are. Definitely wasn't thinking that way. So in terms of, of my story is I, I always felt called to teach people about God, but I didn't go to church. So I didn't really have language for that or really understood what that meant. Um, in fact, I remember as you know, 17, being a young philosopher and talking to my friends and saying, yeah, but what's the meaning of life? And they would say, Jesus. And I said, that's dumb, because how can the meaning of life be a person? And uh, uh, But they kept inviting me for church, which I love. And I always think about that, too, because they, they invited me for years and years and years to come to church, come to youth group. We're having this event, whatever. And I always told them, no way, get lost, all these things, right? And But then one time I said yes. And, and I was about 17. And so uh, it was a weekend event. And when I was there, and as I've thought about this, it's hard to describe. So the best way I could describe it is kind of one of these, I once saw in black and white and then I saw in color. But it really was a sense of belonging it is the best I can describe it. That they, they in some ways, knew me. They knew my story. They knew what was going on with my family. I lived in a small town. Everyone knew what was going on with everyone if they cared, right? But... There I was just me and I belonged. I had fun. I was in small groups. We were in talks. It was it was one of those where I finally felt like I belonged. And I and I remember thinking, if this is a picture of heaven, I want to be part of it. So one of the things that's really significant to me is that I had an attraction to God and a curiosity about Jesus. And so some ways I, I think and I don't definitely had this in my life where I, you know, I I was a part of a tradition where you prayed the sinner's prayer. So I prayed that when I was around 10 to 12 years old. I don't remember how old because at the time I didn't know you had to know how old you were. Uh, you really don't. Uh, and uh, so I had, a, I, had a, I had a curiosity about Jesus. I, wanted, I trusted Jesus with my life. I wanted to know what was in the Bible, the scriptures, those kind of things. But then I almost had a second conversion to the church, if you will. So... That was so for me, because after all of that, as I came into the church, I asked a lot of questions and then I realized I don't know if I do belong because for me, I, I have questions. I didn't change overnight. I still had questions. I wonder if I belonged. I still said, hey, what's the meaning of life? And they said, Jesus. And I said, OK, we're going to keep talking about that. And but it, to me, it seemed like then they didn't have those questions. Right, that they just they all got it. They all knew the answers. Of course, that's my perception. Uh, that they just knew what to do. They knew the songs to sing. I didn't know any of this, so because I didn't grow up with it, and I thought, well, maybe there's something wrong with me because I didn't grow up here, and and I'm coming in. I don't know what to do. I don't know which door to walk into and where to park and all these kind of things. So there was a getting to know the church while I was on a spiritual journey with Jesus. So those are things that I always are front and center for me because they were front and center to my story. So that's why I'm really sensitive to people who are coming into church for the first time or they're curious or they want to check it out because I go, that is central to who I am. And I remember that and I don't want to forget that. Um, whereas when I met my wife, she, she, she would always say, I really don't have a story because I grew up in church and I've just always been a Christian. And, and I would tell her, but that's a beautiful story. Because uh, I don't have that story, and for the longest time, I wish I did, until I learned to appreciate my own story, and I saw value in my own story. And then I would say back to her, I see incredible value in her story. Now she would say the same, 
because uh, yeah, maybe I didn't have this dramatic, you know, conversion experience or coming into church experience or, you know, I wasn't, you know, down on my luck or hitting rock bottom. She's like, I've just always been there and, and I've always trusted God. And I had a great family who took me to church, all these other stuff. And I went to church by myself and I would drive myself to church. Sometimes I would go, I don't know if I have enough gas, but I'm going to drive to church and trust God. My car's going to make it. My car's going to take me home. And, and so those are learning to honor the different stories has been part of my own journey. And, and, but I keep that front and center because that's part of who I am. When we think about this, how can we help other people own their own stories? What are, what are some ways as somebody comes in, how do you validate them as they share part of their story? And of course, you might want to dig into certain parts of it, mm-hmm. but how do you help them learn to appreciate and validate their own story? Uh, universality is a huge part of it. Uh, I think you have to be really, it, it's for lack of a better way to explain it, is self-disclosure. Um, if somebody comes in and their feelings, just immense shame about maybe a decision or something that happened in their life, if I can have a shared experience with them, that reduces the guilt and the shame around it. Oh, she's been through this too. Or they, there's someone else who's been through this. I'm not so alone. There's Maybe there's actually nothing wrong with me. Uh, you have to be careful about how much you share about your personal life or you know other stories and things. But I think that is one of the number one tools I like to use just to uh, maybe help desensitize to whatever experiences that's you know, continuing to cause them trauma or making them feel bad about themselves, um, letting them know that it's not their fault. You know, I get that a lot with people who have been abused. You know, I, it's not your fault. You didn't ask for this. Um, and those are those are, are big validations for people because, you know, they we internalize things that happen to us. Well, surely it's because I did this that made this happen to me. And that's that's not at all the truth of the story. So helping reframe, giving them other options, um, different ways to think about things, um, shared experiences, you know, curious about how things feel. You know, gosh, man, how did that feel when that happened? Like, what you, like, did you think about something? And so we're taking them to another level, another level of the experience. You know, when this happened to you, I was really scared. Okay, when if when's another time you felt that scared? And then we can start to make those connections. It just takes the power away from the experience and we're just processing it differently. So one of the things we were thinking about in terms of application for those who are listening to this podcast would be to think about those significant moments, whatever they might be, right? So whether they're they're positive experiences, maybe they're experiences we'd rather not talk about, maybe ones that we don't talk about with other people. Or the things that oftentimes we think about whenever that might be, but those are the memories that come to mind and, and to write those down mm-hmm. and, uh, they can do that in their notes app, get a journal, but really to start kind of catalog these experiences because then they might notice what it is that, that does define them. Would you say that that's, is that something you encourage people to do? I encourage people to pay attention to memories and thoughts that come up. Uh, I'll hear a lot of times, wow, I thought I hadn't thought about this in a really long time. Or, wow, I can't believe I'm talking about this right now. I haven't thought about this in so long. So this is getting into that neuropathway. And, you know, if it's in the neuropathway of the I'm not enough, we talked about this last time, or I have no control or whatever that is, these memories just start to come out. Like, 
they're they're these leaves that we see fall from a tree and we don't hang on to them we don't cling to them we just recognize them and watch them kind of float away like on on the stream right just let them go and i'll encourage people to write those down uh, a lot they they may seem insignificant and they very well may be but if we can write down these little tidbits of memories or thoughts that are popping up we can usually see a pattern of thinking or a pattern of I can see how that's correlated. And that's one of the great things about therapy is that you can come in and you've got this ball of yarn that's all knotted up and you don't know how to, you know, take it all apart and make it, you know, nice and neat. Well, I can't really do that for you, but I can help you do that. So we can find the correlations. We can, you know, create a path and a journey like here's our plan to unravel all of this yarn. That's something that writing things down, journaling, um, can help us do on our own. I will tell you in, in full honesty, I'm not a huge fan of journaling myself. So I don't ask other people to do that. I ask them to maybe write words, um, use different color crayons or markers to write words, um, to try to get to the core of the feelings that they have. Because sometimes when we're journaling, we get really caught up in the dialogue and the the language of the experience. Um, and for me, I'm always cringy when I go back to an old journal. I find I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I write in that? I don't want to read it. Oh yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I really respect people who say journaling is not for me. Um, so, but, but I think writing words, writing memories down and then bring it in and it's like, oh, let's dissect that. So that's, that's what I think about homework and journaling. Those are some good homework. So I definitely, I encourage people to journal, even though, and I'll tell them, I, I journal from time to time. Sometimes I journal in spurts and then I'll go months and not journal anything and uh, just being okay with that. But sometimes I got to get it out. And when I go back and look at my journals, it's all like the negative stuff. I'm like, why am I, I'm not that negative. Like I'm not, why is it always this stuff that I have to write down? But I think I have to get it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things I do that has been really helpful for me and I encourage my clients to do is I have this little book and I don't know who gave it to me, um, but it's this little book that's like three inches by three inches and it's it's three gratitudes. It's a little spiral bound notebook and every day, first thing you do in the morning is you get up and you write down three gratitudes. And that for me is safe. I can wake up and I can find something positive to start my day out with. Um, even if it's something negative that happened, you know, this happened and it taught me this, you know, um, Emma got her heart broken today, but I got to hold her, you know, I got to be there to support my child. So finding the beauty in the heart, but there is something about starting your day with gratitude that can really set, set the temperature for the rest of your day. And I don't mind going back and reading that little book. I keep it in my, like in our, by our kitchen table, we have a basket of pins and things like that. And I can leave it there and know that if my daughter opens that book, there's nothing in there that she wouldn't be proud of, that wouldn't teach her what it means to feel pain and feel joy at the same time. And that to me, that to me is something that I can trust, where I don't want her to go back and read my journal when, you know, life was crap. <laughs> you know? right. I don't, I don't want to do that. This, I don't know, but that, that's something that I really encourage people to do. Yeah. So these sound like these are some great practices for people to really dig into their own story. So 
whether they're journaling, paying attention to memories, experiences, those kind of things, or, and I love the idea of writing gratitude down. Oh, that that changes everything when you start seeing the world through gratitude, right? Mm. Oh, you start really seeing the positive that's happening. But those are, those are some great practices to um, really just change how you see your life right now and to pay attention to what it is that is happening in your own story to influence not only where you've come from, your origin story, but where you're going, your future story. Mm -hmm. And it's a great first step in self-compassion because a lot of times when people come into sessions, they're very, very hard on themselves. Mm. They um, have compassion for everyone else, but they don't understand what it's like to be in love with themselves. And so we start with that self-compassion. And if you can find those gratitudes during the day, you found those gratitudes. You were open to it. You observed it. You know, and that teaches us how to find gratitude within ourselves. I'm so grateful, you know, that that I showed up today for somebody. I'm so grateful that, you know, I smiled at the checker at the grocery store. You know, we just start to almost internalize the gratitude for who we are. Hmm. And that's really the goal, right? Absolutely. Wow. Well, hey, great conversation today about stories, origin stories, and uh, where we're going. These are some great practices. Yeah. So, uh, hey, great talking with you today. You too. All right, see you next time. We hope this episode of Holistic and Holy has been helpful to you on your journey. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please reach out to us on social media and holisticandholy.com. Special thanks to our audio engineer and fellow creative, Jake Dickerson, for making all of this possible. We'll see you next time.